Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another very special episode of Catholic Chat. Joining me today are four fantastic young women who are planning on entering the convent, God willing. I'm going to just go through and do some basic introductions right here, but uh, first we're going to lead off with uh, Jenna Drummond. And Jenna, um, before you introduce just who you are and where you're from and where you guys are entering, uh, I just have to personally give you a giant shout out. Jenna's been our uh, director of editing for Clarifying Catholicism for the last, what, like two years or something like yeah. that. It, yeah, it, it's been fantastic. We really have loved having you so much. You've done so much great work. And, you know, on behalf of everyone, I just want to say thank you very much. It's going to be very uh, different without you, but we're going to be keeping you in prayers. And we're really proud of you out there, you know. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah go ahead, just introduce, yeah where you're from, and yeah, Jen, if you could also just briefly describe the order you guys are planning on mm -hmm. going into. Uh, so my name is Jenna Drummond. I'm from Wappingers Falls, New York, and I'm a student at Catholic University of America. Um, the girls here and I are all entering with the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the Coronation of Mary, so August 22nd. Um, we're in order, so we're part of the Dominican family in order of preachers. Um, we teach in different schools across the country and we have missions even in Rome. We study and we contemplate and bring to others the fruits of our contemplation. Fantastic. Well, that sounds great. Um, let's just keep going down the list. Uh, Rory, if you could introduce yourself as well. So I'm Rory and I'm from Michigan City, Indiana, um, Diocese of Gary. And um, this past year, I was a freshman at the Catholic University of America in D.C. Great. There's no cards, you know. Um, Bridget? Hi, I'm Bridget, and I'm from Taylor, Texas, in the Diocese of Austin, and I just graduated high school. That's fantastic. Uh, that's really cool, I think, to see a lot of our young people straight out of high school going for this kind of stuff. That's fantastic. Um, Jersey? Uh, so I'm Jersey. I'm from West Texas, also in the Diocese of Austin, and I just graduated high school as well. Great. Oh, that's a pretty good crew we've got here. Uh, and Jenna, now could you mention, I, I think you told me at one point, but I forgot about how many people are going to be entering uh, this specific order this year? So there are 18 of us this year. Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. good to see. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, word on the street is that uh, people entering uh, religious orders are actually starting to look a little better. Historically, it's been going down a bit, but it seems like uh, this generation of Catholics, especially the devout ones, might be a little more interested in, you know, really stepping it up a notch like that. So fingers crossed that that's true, but I mean, 18 is a fantastic start right there. Now, uh, before we go any further, uh, a couple of you guys, actually, I don't know if both of you are here, are uh, planning a little podcast or uh, mini video vlogging series. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that you? judging by that smile on your face, Rory, I, I think that's you. Yeah, tell us about that. That's going to come out soon. Where, yeah, um, uh, one of the other girls who's entering, Autumn Sobolski, she and I are making like discernment videos and just like kind of like vlogging our whole process this summer. Um, it's really interesting, and I think a lot of people will be surprised, like, just everything that we're doing, like, before we enter, and just, like, the whole process. I think it's something that 
is it like an, like there's not enough information about on the internet and on social media as well and so it's kind of something we want to like highlight and spread the word um, before we enter that's great that seems like a very noble venture and doesn't seem like too many people out there have really done it that much so you know I'm, you know it'll be great for clarifying to host it for all of our subscribers out there you know uh, like just keep checking back with us on that one it'll be up uh, relatively soon so we're excited about that but yeah I, I appreciate you giving some detail on that but just generally going around I guess one of my first questions for you guys are uh, the first one's kind of a twofold so what got you really interested in your faith as a Catholic and then off of that what got you interested in the convent specifically uh, we, we can go ahead and start with uh, Jenna again yeah, sure. Um, so I actually come from a non-religious family. My family left the church in 2002 because of the scandals when I was only a year old. Um, but I stayed through CCD or catechesis because I was really stubborn and I wanted a confirmation name. Um, my siblings are all significantly older than me and they all got new names and I never really liked Jenna. So I was like, well, I can just go for like Scholastica or Cecilia <laughs> instead. So I stayed in CCD um, by the grace of God, and when I was a, when I was going into my uh, senior year of high school, I traveled to Italy with my public school, mm. and while there, we went to a bunch of different cathedrals and basilicas, and I promised my friend I'd bring a rosary back for him, and I got back to the hotel room after buying it. I was like, I should know what this is. Like, I'm Catholic. And I just decided to Google how to pray it and like praying the rosary, I just fell in love. Um, I, Mary is like, just became such a mother to me in that moment and has never stopped guiding me to her son. Um, and so when I got back to the States, I started going to mass every week and then eventually every day. And then I discovered we had an adoration chapel at my um, parish. So I would literally be at the parish at 7 a.m. for morning mass, and then at 3 p.m. the school, school was over in the Adoration Chapel. And then when I got to CUA, um, I saw the sisters uh, for the first time who were living in the dorm next to me, and just their radiant joy kind of yeah. spoke to my heart. Um, like even though I had been going to Adoration and mass every day and doing the rosary, and all these different activities, like there's still a restlessness there. Mm. Um, and as soon as I met the sisters, it like kind of just went away. But as soon as like I was home for the summer, I was like, oh, it's back, but why? Um, so that's when I kind of started discerning and uh, looking into different convents. That's fantastic. And yeah, I can definitely attest that uh, those sisters have a great joy about them. They're pretty chill, I'd say. Uh, I think they're like, thought one of them actually had to play bass guitar like my freshman year or something like that so yeah they're awesome they're always out there having a lot of fun and it seems like you guys definitely have the energy to do that and Jen I think for the rest of this conversation I'll just call you Scholastica or something like that <laughs> no, that's a great that's a great story though I think that's fantastic you know uh, you'd never think that just looking some looking some up on it's like caused this great chain of events um, mm -hmm. It really shows that there's great power in a lot of these tools we got here. Uh, Rory, go ahead and uh, let us know how you got invested in your faith and then eventually the convent. Um, so I grew up in a pretty Catholic family. Um, my parents, I think, did a pretty good job of raising my siblings and I in the faith. And one of the things I think that really um, 
helped me to love the faith even more was that they kind of showed us the things that are a little deeper in the faith and like just more like uncommon things you would think about when you think like Catholicism. Um, for example, like one um, one summer we went to see like the relics of the passion touring around and we also had the opportunity to attend the beatification of Blessed Solanus Casey. Yeah. And so like things like that were just like, they're just like moments in my life where I look back and I'm like, you know, like I love the faith and I'm so glad that we had those opportunities. Um, and so also this fall, I attended the Catholic University of America as a freshman and just being around other young Catholics um, really helped me fall back in love with the faith I'd grown up with. Um, and so I kind of became interested in entering the convent um, and just discerning thanks to the example of like religious sisters around me. Um, in high school, I knew a few sisters who happened to volunteer the same night at the homeless shelter that I did. And so um, like their witness was so beautiful. And then at CUA, I lived in the same dorm as some of the sisters, the Dominican sisters who I'm entering with. And yeah, just their joy. And so when I was hearing like that call to live that kind of life, um, I could see that it was something beautiful and it was just something I thought, well, I could see myself doing. Wonderful. No, that sounds uh, fantastic as well. It really seems like a lot of religious out there who are really making a difference in the world do have a great impact on how we all approach the faith. Uh, Bridget? So I always, I grew up Catholic myself. I was taught, you know, I don't remember ever not being taught the faith or not, or not being, not loving it. Um, but uh, I would say my, my love for the faith really spiked in probably fourth grade because so I've been homeschooled all my life but it wasn't until fourth grade that my parents started putting me and one of my siblings through Our Lady of Victory homeschooling program and when I started that I just I fell in love with the faith so just I became so on fire with it and so that went a long way as far as like discerning goes and like growing as a young Catholic, um, but I would say I didn't start seriously discerning until probably around eighth grade. Um, before that, I was always taught that religious life was an option, just as much as um, a career or getting married and having a family, although most of the time I would just try to stick with considering careers. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to worry about like religious life yet, but but around eighth grade, I started feeling like that, like a tugging in my heart, like a nagging feeling, like, like trying to like pull my heart this way, like you need to at least consider it, like you, you need to do this. And I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> but, um, you know, I started giving into it. And that's kind of how I just like slowly and gradually like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll stay open to whatever you want from me. And so when I learned about the Dominican Sisters of Mary, um, it was because my mom sent me a link to their website and like I immediately just fell in love with them. I don't even, just every aspect to their life just really resonated with me. And I just like, and from then on, I just like couldn't stay away from them. And so here I am. That's great. 
No, I appreciate you sharing that. That's uh, cool. It seems like you guys come from a wide array of perspectives here. Uh, Jersey, could you tell us about yours? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad is a cradle Catholic and my mom grew up Methodist. So when uh, I was born and my sister, we weren't raised in the church very much. So I wasn't baptized till I was about seven. And for me, I don't remember going to church when I was little. I remember like falling asleep and my dad having to pinch me to get to pay, me to pay attention. Um, so it wasn't really until I was 15 and I went on my first ever retreat that I really felt God was true and his presence was real and that he actually cared about me and about everyone. And so on my first retreat, we had Eucharistic adoration. And that was really the first time that I experienced the Eucharist and like its fullness and realizing how beautiful it is. And so that what retreat was really where God put that on my heart of that he loved me, he wanted me to be his. And I could, I'd never thought about religious life before, but it just popped into my mind and into my heart that this is where he wanted me. And so it was like instantly after that weekend, I saw like religious sisters everywhere. Like their presence was constant. And so ever since then, it's been really, it's been a crazy journey, but it's been great getting to grow closer to God and to where he's calling me. Wonderful. It sounds like all of you has a very fantastic, uh, great experience, a uh, unique and special experience for sure. And, you know, by the way, in the future, you're all definitely invited to, you know, join in on blogging, vlogging, any of that stuff, because I'm sure all of you guys have a treasure trove of uh information about this process we'll definitely be hearing more from uh, rory for sure and um yeah <laughs> so i suppose my next question is the, about the discernment process you know i i guess there's this stereotype out there that's still pretty prevalent that you're just out there and you get struck by lightning casually on the side of the road and you wake up and you know oh shoot i don't want to i'm gonna enter the convent like that what what was that gradual process? Like a couple of you mentioned, you know, a specific experience where the, it felt like something was kind of tugging more and more at you, but just kind of dealing with those initial feelings, what, what was that discernment process really like? Was it gradual? Uh, I, I think one of you mentioned it took a few years. I don't know, any of you guys can uh, jump in on this one. So for me personally, it was like slowly unwrapping like a present. Like it took me a while to kind of fully realize what religious life was and how God was calling me to it. And so there are definitely like hard times when you have to make certain decisions of stuff in your life, but it's like unwrapping that gift from God and seeing how he wants you to live and how he's calling you to be the best version of yourself that that was really how my discernment process was, was slowly just discovering that. I like that image a lot of uh, unwrapping a, a gift. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, a common, another common misconception about discernment and vocations is they really just apply to priests and religious, whereas no, everyone, everyone is given a gift of God's plan for us in our lives. And our, our life is a gradual unfolding and an encounter with exactly what that gift is, um, which is just a, a beautiful way of going about it. So I appreciate uh, that. Um, uh, someone else was about to start chiming in, I think, around the same time you were. Uh, um, so I was just, I would just add to that. Um, a lot of times people like 
make the discernment process out to like last a certain length of time and like you know they might say like, oh you have to discern for like three years um for me like it all kind of happened within like a few months um and I think like everyone has a different discernment process and so just like wherever that takes you um and you know like I had started to think about religious life like early in high school and then I kind of like left the idea behind but then like November of last year like I started like okay this could actually like be where I'm called to be like rest of my life and so like between November and February I kind of like did some like high speed discerning. And so by February, I had already asked for papers to apply. And so just like be open to wherever God's calling you and whenever he's calling you. You know, I could have said like, oh no, like I need a whole year to just like pray about this more. But like, if I knew what he was calling me to like now, then, you know, I can't reject his timing. Yeah, fantastic. You know, it, there really is no secret recipe or straightforward formula for like that. In many cases, it's even like marriage. There have been couples who've dated for five years. There have been couples who've dated for like nine or 10 months. Of course, it's never a good thing to just go to Vegas and say one day later or anything like that, right? There always has to be some amount of time. But it really is going to depend on the person like that. So I, I think that's a fantastic point for some of you guys. It might have taken a little bit longer. And that's totally, that's totally chill, you know? Um, let's see, Jenna, Bridget, you guys have any further insights? Yeah, so one of the things I always like to tell people when they ask me is that's an active process as well. Um, one of the first vocation instructors I met with uh, used the same analogy as Jersey did. It was like a gift. It's God holding a gift, but he's not extending it to you yet. He's, he's holding it close to him because it's an active process of growing closer to God because when you grow closer to God, it's when the gift is given. Um, so it's an active process of, of increasing and really ramping up your prayer life and taking time in silence and slowly just building up your relationship with God. Um, but it's also an active process in the sense of, like you said, it's not like a lightning bolt one day just going to hit you and be like, I have a vocation to religious life. It's the like the silent tugging in your heart um and following that to say okay i trust you god enough to go on a vocations retreat um or i trust you enough to go find a spiritual director and talk with somebody about this it's not something that's meant to be done alone and it's not something that's meant to be done when you're stationary I like that, uh, you know, the part about, you know, going at it alone like that. American culture, not to get into the political stuff here because uh, politics, theology major here, but it, it, it is, you know, individualism is a big thing in our culture, and uh, a lot of it's kind of abandoned a more communal outlook that uh, the church definitely encourages a lot more. It takes a village for every single person out there, and it's important to always surround yourself with people who are going to give you advice and not just go on pure instinct alone like that so that that's good spiritual directors family friends uh, local uh, people who've already done it uh, people who are already in the convent uh, they're fantastic resources Bridget you have anything else you'd like to add on uh, yeah just um, I guess kind of relates to what Jenna was saying just being open and just like also being active like one you can't expect to just know your vocation without taking some active steps and active 
point, being actively open. Openness was a big thing for me, and I think it is for a lot of um, teenagers, definitely the ones I've met, they kind of like, they're kind of closed off to the idea, whether they're scared or just, yeah, it's usually something like that. They're afraid to, they're afraid to start discerning or afraid to know because, you know, they just want to do, you know, whatever they're expected to do, whatever's normal. And, and I mean, I, I totally get that. Um, but like, there's something so freeing in surrendering yourself to God. And I had to, I had to really learn to do that. I had to learn to trust him. And it takes a lot of trust to, to know where you're meant to be, but it's, it's totally worth it. That's, um, that's all I can really say. That's an excellent point. Yeah, no, there's a great, uh, almost hypocrisy in a lot of our culture today that, you know, not only says, you know, you're supposed to be an individual when that can be very self-defeating at times, but uh, there's also an aspect that says that uh, freedom and liberty is just about doing what you want on your terms. When in reality, a lot of our decisions made like that are just ending up in enslaving us, essentially. Uh, I mean, a person who goes out and smokes every day, I don't know how free they are. A person who's addicted to alcohol or sex or anything like that, are you going to tell me that they're really free like that. So when people think freedom's about just doing whatever the heck you want to, no, there's nothing liberating about that. The true liberation is to really engage with the gifts God gave us, which are faith and reason and getting to know him, knowing the world, being in the world, um, all sorts of, I guess, big philosophy stuff like that. But it's a great point that, you know, this idea of, oh, shoot, I'm going to be locked away in a convent for the rest of my life and, you know, no more this, no more that, no more. (laughs) So there's something... Uh, I think modern psychology has debunked the theory because I think Freud and his buddies basically said whatever releases the most amount of dopamine immediately. But more modern psychology has accurately um, shown that there is great freedom in restraint, that a hallmark of human nature is to be able to take the harder route or what we perceive as the more difficult route. And it ends up making us happier beyond belief. Religious people are some of the happiest people in the entire world. So that's an excellent point. Sorry to go on that tangent right there. I just love this stuff. Um, <laughs> it's a fun podcast to host, I suppose. But um, moving right along, kind of narrowing things in a little bit further, are there any specific experiences you guys have had on the, in the discernment process? And I know you guys have touched on a couple of them that really, really stood out to you as, wow, this is something special. This is something unexpected. Like just a, one of your favorite experiences that you guys haven't talked about in the discernment process. It could be anything, something that surprised you, something that really just made you happy or something that really inspired you to keep going on your journeys. Um, I can go. So, um... One of the things that always stood out to me are all the retreats I was able to go on. Um, Even when it wasn't with the Dominican sisters, I had visited some Franciscans in Illinois before I had met, or before I had gone on a retreat with the Dominicans. But like just being at the convent and watching all the sisters in their daily routines in life and in their liturgy and just like finding where you fit into it is so interesting. So when I was with the Franciscans, one of the things I noticed is they don't have a daily holy hour. And for me, like, that was really important. Like, a lot of my spirituality is based on just being in front of the Eucharist. 
Um, and they weren't very Marian, so they didn't do a uh, community consecration to Mary. And to me, that was kind of a deal breaker. I was like, it's Mary <laughs> or bust. Um, but when I was on retreat for Dominicans, like, the first thing you do is you get a litany title of Mary. You, mm-hmm. like, you close your eyes and you pull it out of, a, like, a bag. And that's the litany title you're supposed to pray with over the course of the retreat and kind of figure out where is Mary under this title guiding me? And actually the first one I got was Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. So when I pulled ah. it out, I was like, I see you, God. I see you. <laughs> like but, a little um, spiritual sorting hat or something, you know? Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like just praying with that title, because I refused to like kind of let it get to me and be like, this is where I'm called to be then. But praying with that title over the course of the overnight Eucharistic adoration we had, I kind of just realized how central the Eucharist was in my life and how much I just really love Jesus and I just how much I really just wanted to give my entire life to him. Um, and like it was at 4 a.m. when I noticed that and figured that out finally. So that was like just so interesting because it, again, it wasn't one of those like lightning bolt moments, but it was kind of like me realizing over the course of my life it's led me to this great no, that's beautiful i think one of my favorite memories um it also was on one of the retreats and it was just like like i just love the sisters so much and like having them at ca is such a blessing and just getting to know them like as well and so um after i'd asked for application papers um like the first thing I wanted to do after like, going to the chapel was to tell the sisters who had brought me there. And so, you know, I was just like, where are they? And, you know, I like ran up and I was like, sister, they're going to be sisters. And she was just like, and just like telling her was like one of the most beautiful moments. And then, so not all of them had come with us on the retreat, but then going back to campus and then next morning after mass, we pulled out our application papers and just like their reactions, they were like, no way. And just like those moments made me realize like this is the community I want to be with. Like I love them so much and I can't imagine like ever not being with them because they're just like like my sisters. So <laughs> it was really one of the beautiful moments in my discernment journey. No, that's wonderful. And I think the communal aspect is something that's quite fantastic about you know, these uh, groups really, I I mean, it is a place that if you want to dedicate yourself totally spiritually, and in the Dominican sense too, intellectually even, it's a great place to do that, and there's not many places in the world that really value that, I mean, with society being as materialistic as it is, these are definitely safe havens for people who want to dedicate their lives uh, to really sharpening their faith, but also their intellect like that, so... That sounds good to any of you guys out there, uh, viewers, contact some of these uh, people. So um, Bridget or or Jersey, um, you guys have any uh, experiences you'd like to share as well? Yeah, I would say that that for me, oh, you go ahead, Bridget. Go ahead, ahead, Jersey. Okay, Um, I would say the most memorable thing for me really was how supportive everyone was I was I remember when I first like figured out okay this is what I want to do I called my mom and my dad and they were just like oh we're so excited I knew it like everyone else in my life knew it but me 
And so like having that support of everyone around me and the support of the sisters too has been really amazing. And being so at home with them, anytime I've been with the sisters, it's like you would feel like you'd get nervous. Like, oh, like this is where I could spend the rest of my life, but you're with them and you just feel so at home. You feel like you're meant to be there. And so I feel like that's been a really great blessing in my life. I've had the support and that comfort, being comfortable with them throughout all my relationships with the sisters. Wonderful. Well, that's great. So I have a story and I shared part of it with the rest of um, my future sisters before. Um, This is a favorite of my mom's. So back in 2016, the, the sisters of the, the community we're entering were having this, uh, they were celebrating the 800th anniversary of the Dominican Order here in Texas. And I was really excited about this because I was 14 at the time because I never met any of the sisters before and I really wanted to because, you know, I was just learning with them. So we went to this and they were having this raffle. And so there's like a few hundred people at this, like there's a lot. And I wanted to buy raffle tickets. So my mom bought me three. So we looked around us and there were those hundreds of people that were there had like these long, long strings of raffle tickets. So my odds of winning were not very high, but um, so one of the prizes, there were only three, was a uh, wood-burning plaque made by one of the sisters of St. Dominic. Ooh. And yeah, it was pretty cool. And um, so I beat the overwhelming odds and won that. And when I did, one of the sisters, the sister who was doing the drawing, she was like, wow, I don't know, maybe it's a sign. And so I was like, oh. (laughs) But the thing that I learned only recently, like after I found out that I was accepted to the community, was my mom, she told me her side. She told me that when she bought me those raffle tickets, she prayed to God and said, if this is for my daughter, let her win something. No way. Let her win the St. Dominic plaque. Oh my gosh. And, no. <laughs> well, yeah. So wow. I have it here in my room. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. You, you better save that for the rest of your life, for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Taking it with me. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. I think that's a good way to uh, end off that uh, segment right there. So I've just got a couple uh, more questions and kind of uh, goes along a few things that you guys have mentioned. So obviously, you know, like if like you're a mom or a dad or something like that, and your daughter comes up and says, hey, I'm going to be like a religious sister for the rest of my life. It, some parents and some family and friends might take that very differently. So I guess my question for you guys is, how did your friends and family uh, receive the news? Um, Like, you don't have to get super personal or anything like that, but just generally speaking. And based on that, what advice would you have for people whose families are not really welcoming or interested or supportive of their children making this decision? I think um, I had pretty supportive friends. Um, it was kind of funny, like the night we had gone back from the retreat and I had application papers, 
we, one of the other girls and I, we gathered like our super close friends in the room and we like pulled out the papers and there's like eight girls and each of the eight girls had different reactions, but they were all like so overwhelmingly happy for us and they were screaming and crying and it was beautiful. Um, but that's like definitely been one of the things um, I've been so blessed to have is the support of my friends on this journey. Um, and I don't know where I would be without that. They really just are so supportive and, you know, they ask so many questions, but they just really want to know, like, you know, more about what am I going to be doing for the rest of my life because they care about me so much. Um, and then on the flip side, my parents, um, they're pretty supportive, but I would say it took a little bit of time, which is, you know, common as I think they would have been like, oh, yeah, like, you know, not upset at all or even sad about, like, possibly me like not seeing them for a long time um I would have been like huh you you weren't you weren't gonna miss me you know um and so yeah it's taking time but my advice would be like for anyone whose family like you know it's taking a little bit of time for them to come to terms or even if they're not supportive at all um there's so many resources out there that um can help them kind of understand more and like better like the lifestyle um because I think like a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about like entering religious life. Um, and just like the more you know, I think kind of helps. Um, and the sisters have like a podcast. This is like not an ad or anything. I'm not being paid to advertise, but their podcast series, oh, <laughs> The Truth Will Set You Free, set you free <laughs> is like um, super, super informative about mm. like the sisters' lifestyle and just like their life and praying and all of that um but yeah in addition to that like also praying for your family is like you know god can do anything and he'll you know he'll take care of your things if you take care of his so. totally and we'll put that in the description and we'll consider sending this podcast over to them and <laughs> see what happens there you know uh yeah what about the rest of you guys um so for me because my family isn't religious um and they had left the church and been hurt by it in the past. It was a little different. Um, I told my parents and they told me no, but I'm stubborn. I really <laughs> thank God for making me this stubborn. <laughs> so, um, but I had also kind of developed a mini family within the church community at home and then at CUA to the point where I'd always make a joke with my priest back here that my home isn't here. My home is wherever the crucifix is. Oh, um, that's but uh, so even though my family hasn't been really supportive, having the community of the church behind me has been one of the greatest blessings of my entire discernment uh, process. And honestly, I have to give a shout out to my parish priest here, priest here because he has just been such a spiritual father to me. Um, and has been kind of working behind the scenes to make sure everything is like in place for me to be ready to enter. Um, and like, he's the one who's been kind of pushing me along all the time. So I'm like, but I don't want to tell my family I'm entering. He's like, well, you kind of have to eventually. <laughs> um, and also having the community at CUA, um, uh, my roommate and my best friend there, when I got my papers, they're both like, it's about time. Like, we have been waiting for you to get an application paper since you met the sisters the first day of school. Um, 
and just having that support and even one of them is making my aprons for me as like her goodbye present um just having that support it just it's really great um but I think my advice for anybody would be not to worry about what your family thinks it's gonna be hard but also it's gonna pay off in the end I had a priest email me and tell me that if I follow my vocation and I follow God, God will take care of what I'm leaving behind. And if I don't follow my vocation, then I'm not helping myself and I'm not helping my family get to holiness. Mm, that's a good way of putting it. And, it, you know, having spiritual families, you know, peppered around the place is definitely a good thing to do as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, then uh, Bridget in Jersey. So my family has been pretty supportive too, in general. Like I said, from this, from since I was little, they've always supported it and encouraged me to consider it. Um, so it didn't really come too much as a surprise to them that I was applying. In fact, they were pretty much prepared for that. Um, and since they have a son in the seminary too, oh. kind of been through this whole, this whole type of discerning thing. Yeah, there you go. So, and yeah, and just from my church too, and you know, my, my friends who are Catholic, they've been totally like, yeah, go for it. So, um, so I would just say, uh, you know, there'll definitely be temptations. Um, one thing, uh, the vocation director, Sister Joseph Andrew taught us was that and this really spoke to me like you, you should expect expectations if this is your vocation mm. because one you wouldn't have any any sacrifices to give to your future spouse which is jesus but also i think because the devil doesn't want you to be where god wants you to be so he wants to put this put all these things like you know your family they're not supportive or they're going to miss you you're, you're going to make it hard on them by entering but like but Jesus when you when you when you do his will you know he makes all things new mm. so so it'll all be good just put it in, in his hands and you know he'll just like what Jenna said he'll take care of it for you just don't oh. listen to what the enemy is putting in your in your head yeah that's a great way of putting it and you know uh Many priests I've talked to and religious I've spoken to say that, yeah, one of the greatest challenges is maintaining uh, chastity, celibacy, all that kind of stuff. But it's it's worth it because th there's a great beauty in overcoming the struggle when you put it at the foot of the cross. You know, uh, religious life, I mean, life in general should, regardless of vocation, be all about uh, sacrifice. A lot of people don't know, but even married couples are called to levels of chastity that, um, are difficult to maintain. So everyone's called the sacrifice in their own ways, but that's definitely a, a hard hitting one for uh, people in the religious community. So I commend you guys on that. Uh, but yeah, no, always just remember what you're doing it for and that there's meaning in sacrifice like that. And uh, Jersey, did you have any? Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would just say, like I said earlier, my family has been amazing. They've been so supportive and friends too. Like there are certain things that 
like people don't understand about religious life so they'll ask questions and it's really great because that helps to develop their understanding of it and their love for it but it helps me to like grow closer to God in it and finding those answers and again like Rory said not an ad but the sisters do have a book mm, it's called book. and Mary's Yes Continues and it um yes it helps explain religious life so much for anyone who's discerning it anyone who's thinking about it. I mean, it's so beautiful. It helps families. It's my mom's about to start reading it. So it's really great. And for people <laughs> who don't have supportive, <laughs> uh, for people who don't really have supportive families, I would say the same thing, echo all what the other girls are saying is just to trust in God, to ask him to help you. And he's going to take care of everything. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for a while now. So he's, he's got everything covered. Great. Well, I appreciate all these very thoughtful answers. And, you know, before we close things off um, and let you all go, uh, I suppose there's just one more question. And I, I guess that would be, so along uh, this entire process, what's something, you know, that really surprised you about, you know, not, to, not even just the discernment process, but like something you learned about the religious order that you guys are entering into like it could be a fun fact just something like oh shoot I didn't know that or something that most people didn't really think about when they were considering uh, entering the convent like oh man I'm gonna have to get like new clothes I'm gonna have to do just anything like that that comes to mind uh, you can list a couple things if you'd like I would say what surprises me is how much fun the sisters have like playing sports ah. they absolutely love all sports volleyball I mean if you open the gym door you'll hear them screaming because they're having so much fun I mean it's really beautiful that's awesome okay that's good I don't think a lot of people actually quick fun fact uh the uh, religious order that uh was in charge of my high school or actually grade school middle school too um the big round organ uh they have like a shooting range out um, at like a Catholic uh, like summer camp type thing and my parents actually went over there and uh, my, my mom got taught how to shoot a gun by a sister so yeah uh, I think they do like trap shooting over there or something like that so <laughs> yeah uh, all sorts of stuff you know going on there uh, love the sports and everything um, yeah what about the rest of you guys I think for me the biggest surprise was the humor the sisters have I I would have never imagined that Dominicans who are always such as like intellectuals and so serious would react the way that they do to some things. I was in um I started my grad school classes this past semester and I was in class and it was me and two of the Dominican sisters. That was our class. But the sisters printed out memes to give me before every class. Or we would be walking into chapel because um, the chapel that sisters have prayers in on campus is in the boys' dorm. And the amount of times we'd have to knock on the window to let them, <laughs> have them let us in. And the looks they just give us of like, really? I'm in my holy hour right now. Or um, just like the jokes they'd make at us like for walking in, we'd be laughing so hard we couldn't walk into chapel because we just, we couldn't get in the right mindset to just be like, I'm here, Jesus let me just like lose my mind for a second. <laughs> That's awesome. One of the things that kind of echoes both of those humor and like their like activeness, um, they're really creative too. Like just the ways that, especially on campus that they try to reach out to us. Um, 
it was just like whether it was like baking with the sisters that was like once a week in one of the dorms or just like we had just like going to lunch with them they were just so creative and they just like they just really know how to like reach out to young women and they know like that you know we're in college we're young you know and it could be like our first year away but they just were like such great moms and they were just it's like so funny because like I lived in a dorm with them and so like you know I'd just be like going down to the laundry room and like there they would be you know and it was just yeah they're so creative and their evangelization. Oh, I can definitely attest to that um, I think I mentioned that my freshman year I taught one of them how to play bass guitar they actually formed a band called uh, um, Force of Habit. Yeah, Force of Habit. And we actually have, I'll put that link in the description as well, uh, same order. We, we got them on video for clarifying. And uh, it's great because the head campus minister of CUA actually sang uh, What a Wonderful World with them, which was great too. So you know, always something going on with them that's, you know, re really creative like that. So yeah, all sorts of stuff you can do. And, uh, and then uh, Bridget? Yeah, and I guess this is a lot like everyone else is saying, just they're so like, they're just their own people. Like they're so unique. And like, I think, I mean, I know for myself, before I started this learning, I looked at sister, like sisters, and they're like, they, like, they look like they're probably bored all the time. Like, are, like, aren't they their own person? Like, do you lose your individuality when you enter the convent, but you don't? Like you, you do not. You you're still very unique, um, very set apart. You you know, great senses of humor within the community for sure. And um, yeah, they're just so unique and just so awesome. And I just love them. Yeah, just because we call them all sister doesn't mean that they you know don't have their own. That's a trap I've fallen into. I just you know, hey sister, hey sister, and then I'm thinking, all right, shoot. <laughs> uh, the name, the name, the name. So um, I, I guess that'll be 18 less people. I mean, Jenna, I'll probably remember, like, you know, who you are and everything like that. But for the rest of you, if I see you around and I just say, hey, sister, I'm just going to visit, visit, um, like, no, but it, it, it really has been great to have all of you guys. And uh, uh, Jenna, when do you guys say that you're uh, planning on entering? Yeah, so um, it's kind of funny. Our nickname is the Corona Crew because <laughs> we're entering on the coronation of Mary. Ah, I love so it. August 22nd. That's great. That's great. And is there any way that, you know, other than spreading this around that we can support you guys or, and of course, prayer and whatnot, but any other way that, like, we can support you guys or the sisters or learn more about everything going yeah. on? So um, if you want to learn more about the sisters, you can go to sistersofmary.org, I believe, um, and that's their main website. They're also on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. They have uh, a YouTube channel called Lumina Ecclesiae Digital, or LED Digital, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> Close enough, you know. And they have a podcast through that, but they also are live streaming Vespers and Mass and Morning Prayer. Uh, currently, which is new and it's so beautiful. I highly suggest that to anybody. Um, but if to support us individually, just prayers. And I know there's a few, um, a few of us who are currently fundraising um, just to pay off college debts. So 
if you Google on GoFundMe, Sisters of Mary, you can probably find them. We can put it in the description if any of you guys want. Yeah, totally chill with that. And, you know, like I said, uh, you know, we are planning on featuring a bunch of you guys on podcasts, vlogs, all that kind of stuff. It'll be great. I, I think it'd be fantastic to really follow you guys into uh, the convent like that, just to really understand what that journey is like and have an insider, a young insider's perspective. It's really, really valuable and hopefully will prove to be inspirational years to come but thank you guys so much for your time this morning it's been great to have you guys and you know like i said all, all our prayers and support go out to you guys and this incredible thing that you guys are doing thank you for thank having you. us of course and you know for all those who are listening of course thank you for tuning into another episode of catholic chat be sure to check us out on spotify if you're watching on youtube check us out on youtube if you're on spotify but for more amazing content go to www.clarifyingcatholicism.org.